Blog Talk Radio. Exclusively live on Blog Talk Radio. I am Statistic Sean David, along with my co-host, the Dean of Wrestling Referee Steve Kane. Oh, one of these trying to get into the studio but got the wrong password. And the reason why the show will never be a bag of dicks. Hey, Adi Kane, you know, get me the. I'm going to try the other password. <sighs> Wait a second, Sean. Yeah, Sean's on. Sean didn't remember his own password. Boy, what is wrong with him? Yeah, well, well then, then you know what, Steve? If you're in the, if you're in the darn studio, send me a password. If this one doesn't work, please text it to me. I don't care what you got to do. Um, put your heels together and give it to me on a piece of paper. I don't care. I want it in the studio. Thank we'll you. get it figured yeah. out. Okay. Anyway, we're, we're going. We're going. I'm in. I'm in, Mother Trucker. I'm in. <laughs> All right. Now I got to. All right, we got that figured out. All right, okay, ladies and gentlemen, tonight we will be joined with not only our other co-hosts, who are we've already now? introduced ourselves. What else do you want, Sean? We've already done it. Um, did you okay. smoke a bong when we were doing that and didn't hear us or something? <laughs> through the wow. Uh, and tonight we will be joined by, I was just kidding, I was testing to see if you guys were ready. Tonight we will be joined by former uh, TNA Total Nonstop Action Wrestling star, Total Triple A Lucha Libre star, and former Lucha Underground Woo-hoo. star, Supermax Sean Hernandez. And uh, we will also be joined at some point here very soon by somebody that has managed him, uh, our own Jess Blue, a.k.a. Malice Mayhem, and yeah, the guy that... Where is she? One of the guys. She should be here. Sorry. One of the guys that trained uh, Supermax, and that is Rudy Boy Gonzalez, who is no stranger to this airspace. So, without any further ado, we're going to get things started. All right. Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, at this time, 
like to introduce our guest for the evening, Super Mex himself, Sean Hernandez. See, I didn't even get to see. I wanted to screen you, but somebody gave me the wrong password, so I didn't get to screen you. So I will formally introduce myself to you just now. Good evening, sir. I'm I'm chaotic Katie, but you can call me Kate or Katie or anything you like. It's quite fine. How are you tonight? How you doing? I'm doing. I'm doing great. Waiting for the Monday night football game. Just chilling, having a good time. How are you guys? Oh, hey, doing good, doing, doing good. Doing pretty good, man. Doing good. Except it's, except it's, it's Thursday night, Sean. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's Thursday, dude. Okay, hold on a second. I don't know what fucking month it is. I don't know what day it is. All right, all right. You said fuck, so I can say. Okay, you said fuck, and that you don't know what day it is. How much weed you smoking? Because I know I just finished a joint. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. We're a marijuana-friendly program. <laughs> marijuana is medicine. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, this is not the marijuana show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> go on. Go on. So, all right. So let's go ahead. You know, we, we always like, like to take things out of the box. So let's yeah. start off with, uh, with your growing up, Sean. Um, tell us about your, about your childhood, your family, what uh, type of sports that uh, you were involved in, uh, in your uh, younger days. Cool. Um, well, my father was a Green Beret in the Army for 30 years. So um, wow. we moved oh, every nice. three or four years. About every two or three or four years, we had to move to different Army bases. And uh, so oh, my it was God. a little bit difficult. It was very difficult to make friends and stuff like that. And uh, my dad was from the island of Puerto Rico. So he only knows baseball. So that's the only sport I was allowed to play as a kid. Oh, and, uh, wow. So that was it was kind of weird because when I hit this growth spurt, I was the same size as my dad, and I was like eighth grade. So. Okay, but that doesn't tell me anything. How big was your dad? Um, well, I was he was like five eight. So I was, I was like five, I was like five ten in eighth grade. So. I went well, straight to high, basketball after that. Well, I I had ah. no I had no possible hope in hell to be playing any basketball of any sort. I was four foot nine, and about a hundred and. <laughs> 105 pounds soak of wet in high school. Yep. So, yeah. <laughs> no. Okay. I was I was built the I was same middle. way as this. I was, I was built the same way, just smaller. I mean, I, I think I graduated high school like at six foot, like 200 pounds before I even lifted weight. So it was like a lot bigger mm. than my dad. He was like about he's about five eight and about 150 pounds. Wow. All right, all right. Now, what position uh, baseball did you play? Well, my dad was a stern, you know, historian of baseball, and, and he always told me, even if you can, even if you're not a good batter and you're a decent catcher, you're gonna make some money. So he always had me as catcher. And then, uh, like, oh. I was in sixth grade. <clears throat> I was like sixth grade. I was like five foot tall, and I grew like almost ten inches in two years. So I, I, I couldn't play catch no more. So. It was upset. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, that's 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 funny. That's funny. You, you dad did this. So um, so now uh, where did you where did you wind up uh, going to college or did you go to college? Yeah. I, um, in high school, I played a little bit of baseball, a little bit of basketball, 
And then the last uh-huh. two years, my, par- my, my parents never let me play football before. The football coaches came to my house and begged my parents if I could play by 11th grade year. And oh, wow. And then um, I, I, I played the defensive line, and I broke the, the school record in sacks that year, the first year. <laughs> then the senior year, I did it again. Then I, I played in junior college here at Kilgore Junior College in North Texas. And then I played okay. uh, uh, at a four-year school in Texas 89. That was Texas 89 at Kingsville. It's a Division two school. Okay. Okay. All right. So okay. Oh. So you okay? So you played over at A and I. All right. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Heck, I mean, you know, football. Football is a religion in Texas. If if uh-huh. if you're if you're I, not if no. you're not a good player, oh my God, that's yeah. you, see, you, know, you see. You see, I'm Canadian. Yeah. Even well, I know it's a religion in Texas. Okay. Well, and, <laughs> and Friday nights, and Friday nights when I played, yeah, you know, we were a basic six and fourteen. We barely made the playoffs, and we were averaging ten thousand people in the stands. Oh damn! Huh? So, I mean, the, the big, the bigger schools and the, the, the you know the schools that go deeper in the playoffs and stuff, they play at the Astrodome. You know that's that's you know, and they can fill about half of it up and get about forty to fifty thousand people there. For, wow! For high, school, for high school football. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's high school football. The, you know, if football. anybody, anybody of our any of our listeners who's ever seen the movie Friday Night Lights, that's <laughs> as you as you could tell from what Sean is saying, that movie was not far from the truth of, of what uh, what it's like in Texas with high school football. Oh. Except for the language, oh. the language and the, the language and the physical abuse from the coaches was a lot worse. But I me, mean, yes, it was pretty much the same thing. <laughs> wow, wow. Mm. So now, all right, I got, I got to throw, I got to throw this out here because I, because I asked this thing way back several years ago um, when a another good friend of ours, uh, Del Wilkes, was on, and of course Del oh, Wilkes. Played uh, was a Division One All American with uh, um, Gamecocks at South Carolina, mm-hmm. and we talked about you know, and we talked about uh, even I know who the Gamecocks about, are. Yeah, Darren about, has, um, my husband has a Gamecocks jersey, and well, he just wears it for fun until he found out that it was an actual team, but he still just wears it for fun because well, that's kind of oh. Guy he is. oh, there you go, there you go, <laughs> um, Gamecocks. But uh, but anyway, at that at that time, at that time, um, they still weren't allowing the uh, college players to uh, earn anything off of it. And uh, of course, just recently they've they've had a change. How do you how do you feel about that? Uh, do you do you agree with that at all? Well, yes and no. I mean, no because I didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, <laughs> all these division, <laughs> but all these division one athletes, they're on television like your A and M's, your um, your UCLA's, your Alabama, your Alabamas, your USC's, guys like that. You, you know damn well they are generating millions of dollars for their for the program just being on ABC TV, CBS, you know NBC on the major networks, and they get nothing. I mean, you can say, yeah, we get free education. Okay, I'm pretty positive that free education is minuscule of what 
those what the college is earning back from the television revenues. Oh, wow. yeah. oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I I back then I checked uh, at, with the SEC, and I believe at that point um, they were pulling down like about forty million a year on their uh, based off their TV contracts alone. Yep. Not uh, not counting. Not counting what uh, what each of them was doing as far as like uh, stadium revenue um, yep. and concessions and all of that stuff. So and and remember when remember when they had that NCAA football game on the PS4 and uh, and Xbox and stuff like that. The players were getting right. Money, the NCAA was getting all that money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They in fact they couldn't even put real players' names on it because of that fact. I. I remember oh, that wow, very, huh? very well. Yeah. Okay. They put, yeah. But, but they put, but they put the lightness and their speed and their strength and their height and weight. I mean, it's not just take rocket science to figure out which player it was. But I mean, those players got nothing out of that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Talk okay. about getting screwed up there. Oh my gosh. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because you guys are starting to sound like Charlie Brown teachers to me. Because I, I don't even speak football. <laughs> it's, it's, more, it's, you, it's more about it's more about money than football, actually. Yeah, uh, well, yeah. I know that already. Rem- and, and remember, we have the CFL, and, and our game we don't have as many downs as you, and we have to run farther, so our game's harder to play than yours. But I'm a hockey chick, so you want to talk hockey? I'll talk hockey all day. Yeah. Anyways, next. <laughs> not the hockey show. I don't. Yeah, I, I, John, I, I, I don't know if you know if you know the Dallas Stars or not. So yes, uh, of course I know, no. I know, I know, I know names, even college names too. You know. No, I'm, no, I'm, no, I'm talking. If Sean knows the Dallas Stars hockey team. <laughs> oh, I do. I know that. Them too. Jeez. I think. Uh, for, yeah. for, I live in South Texas in San Antonio. I mean, we even have a minor league hockey team here. Called the Rampage or something. No one goes. Well, you got the Rangers. You no got, one goes. You have the, no one goes. Yeah, but but you you do have yeah. hockey. You you have a uh, yeah. You have the there, there's even there's even hockey on the border teams. You know, like there's like you know like yeah. uh, low, minor league hockey in like Brazil, which is like a stone throw away from Mexico, and nobody goes. Yeah, you got an original oh, wow. six team. So no. yeah, you got an original six hockey team. So yeah, study up. Anyway. Yeah, you do. So I yeah. But okay, so now, so now, um, did you now? So you, we, we, yeah. When we wrote this up, we noted that you came from from uh, the Arena Football League. Now, did you yeah. uh, make an attempt at uh, at the NFL before you went uh, to Arena, or how did how did this all come about? Well, you go to the regional combines. So we were okay because I went to a smaller school, Division Two, and let's be realistic: no one wants a six-foot, two, 260-pound defensive defensive tackle. So my options were limited. I went to I, I tried out for the Toronto Rogonauts, and getting double tacks for two weeks was pretty rough. So I came back home and I did the arena football here in Houston, and um, it was. Very brutal because it was five hundred dollars a week. Oh, sorry, it's five hundred a game, not a week. And you were required to be on the team for twenty-two weeks. And there was only fourteen games to get paid on, so it was pretty rough. So that's why I just—that's why I decided maybe 
you know, professional football is not my, you know, career. <laughs> okay, okay. Mm, wow. So now, how? Okay, so how did you? How did you? And when did you discover professional wrestling? I mean, yeah, you know, I, I, yeah. Well, when was what was the first thing you saw? You know, like ter- which which well, territory did you was the first one you uh, saw? To myself, because I was you know I was I was born and I spent a lot of time in, in uh, Fort Bragg, North Carolina, so it's also always Georgia Championship Wrestling with okay. the massive okay. star, Mr. Wrestling Number Two, obviously Ric Flair, mm-hmm. the Four Horsemen, those guys, and then when, when my dad finally retired from the army, we were you know we live in Houston. And the Paul Bosch, you know, Houston Wrestling, where you yeah. see, you know, Doctor Dr. Death and the Guerreros, and uh, uh, Dr. Death. Like that. Oh was yeah, awesome. I heard a Guerrero in there too. Oh, oh, well, the, and, you know, and, uh, Mondo and Hector, Mondo and Hector, yes. Yeah. Well, oh, and yeah. you know, yes. that's that's well, an area boys. where so much talent came from. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you know. The the sad thing about Dr. Death is they put him in that brawl for all that everybody remembers and everybody's like, Oh, that was the coolest thing ever and it's like, No. No, that that almost ruined Doctor Death. Uh, uh a lot of people said he wasn't the same after that, which is sad. Why would he be the same after that? Well, well uh, there was you know I had the privilege of being um going to all Japan with Doctor Death because I you know, I was one of the first <laughs> You know, you know, anyone can go to Japan now. You should talk to the promoter and find yourself there or live in the dojo or stuff like that. No. Mm-hmm. When I was going, I went I in uh, 2001, and um, okay. it was like it was, it was was like awkward because we were the, me, me and my partner, Casey Dyer, were the only indie guys that were on the tour. You know, you got, you got Dr. Death. You got George Hines. You know, uh, um... I, what's his name? IRS, the guy. Yeah. There was there was about eight guys. There was about eight guys on every tour. And about, you know the white the Americans, and then only two chairs changed. And Doc got me there, and it was. Well, you can't, I mean, I, I can't say nothing. You can't beat that. You can't beat that. Okay. Uh, um, no. Okay. Public surface announcements. You cannot talk over each other because then you cannot. Hear each other. If you do too much, you okay. But obviously, our guests will not get it. But my boys will get it. You will hear this. You will get phased. Or if you prefer, you will be whipped. <laughs> he, uh, okay. Like uh, Steve may be the dean of referees, but on this show, I'm the referee. On the show. Um. You know, Dr. Death uh, came to Illinois for one of my friends, and I didn't end up making the event, but I wanted to because he did a seminar. And, uh, you know, Dr. Death doing a seminar, you're going to learn something. If you don't learn something from that, you ain't ain't trying to learn. And that's the problem with a lot of wrestling. I'm going to go do my job since I haven't done it well. I'm going to just scream, but I'm pretty sure no, I, I know who it is, but I can't recognize the number because I haven't been on the board in a while. So I'll... All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. So now how, so now how long did you, how long did you play arena ball, Sean, before you, uh, before you got out of it going, no, this is, this is crazy. Well, 
I, I, I stayed around for for um, a year and a half when I realized that if you're not Division One or One Double A, you're not getting a second or third chance to screw up. You know, because Division <laughs> Two, you know, for, for every chance, for every time that I screwed up, I get yanked. You know, the guy from Nebraska or the guy from you know Penn State, he's gonna screw up thirty, forty times before they put me back in. So I kind of knew the game. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it was a little oh, bit different. Wow. So, and especially, you know, it's a lot different now because times have obviously changed, especially in the last 10 years. But there wasn't very many Hispanic football players, in, you know, in the mid to late 90s. So the stereotype about who can play and who can't play was obviously still big then. So I'm I'm good. You know, I've realized if you're not the prototype height, weight, uh, pedigree from schools, your chances of playing are very limited. And now it's obviously a different time and age, but back then it was still, still that old, that old school way. Uh huh. Okay. Wow. Yeah. My gosh. That's that's well, a that's something point, right well, there. Well, to put in perspective, I was the first Hispanic player ever to play to play football at Kilgore Junior College. So. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, yeah, but now there's a lot. I mean, that was the I was the very first one. Most of them, were, you know, no disrespect to people who live there that are Hispanic like myself, but they were lettuce pickers or they worked in the farms. So I was. It was mm. You can imagine how you can imagine what a different time it was for me when Cruz Hernandez. You know, oh, right. You know, was, you know, especially you know, I, I'm, my father was very smart. He made sure. That even though my first name is Raphael, that I go by Sean, because in that culture at that time, Sean Hernandez is going to get a chance to play, is going to get a chance to get a job, interview, and stuff like that. Where the Raphael Hernandez is going to be, uh, is he a blue collar guy? Let's let him try blue collar jobs. So I mean, like I said, mm, time is a lot different. Wow, times are a lot and, different now. All right, and now. well. <laughs> While I have a second, while I have a second, um, I would like to bring the Mistress of Mayhem herself onto the air. The woman whose purse, because I am tiny, I spit in her purse, and when she needs me, she smacks me on the head, and I do her bidding. The one, the only, Jess Blue. There you go. And where the hell is she? She does it to me all the time. To <laughs> <laughs> give her the best introduction ever and. In- Blue, but anyway, keep going, boys. She'll get here. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh, uh, yeah. so all right. So you, so you'd been, so you'd, you know, obviously, you, like you say, you watched um, a lot of uh, WCW at the at the time, or actually GCW, and then yeah. uh, eventually uh, into uh, when you guys uh, went to move to Houston. It was Paul Bosch and that. Um, so, how did how did you wind up getting where um, it's like okay, I got I this this thing this thing is this thing is good I gotta I gotta get involved somehow where how how did how yeah. did that occur and then and how did you uh, make your first uh, first contacts. Um, actually, I was at the gym, um, you know, I was doing a lot of powerlifting, 
you know, I, I was married and had a child at the time. Is Darlington doesn't win no money. This wins trophies. <laughs> right. Um, I, I went to the gym, and uh, one day, you know, the WWF was there, and a lot of guys were there. They said, hey, uh, you kind of look like one of the Sterner brothers. Uh, you, should, you should check out one of these wrestling schools here in Houston and uh, and see what you can do and, you know, get back to me in a couple of years. And, uh I did. Mm-hmm. I went to Tuckmo Taylor and his son Chaz's school here in Houston. I well, mm-hmm. I'm sitting by in Houston, Texas, and that's how I got my start. Okay. Excellent. Okay. All but, right. But who did you? Because I was screening, I may have missed this part. But who was it that you saw on on the small screen that made you say that I want to get my ass kicked for money? <laughs> Well, I really, to be honest, I really didn't think nothing of it because I loved it. I loved it in middle school and high school and stuff like that. But then, you know, you know, like I said, it's a different time then where you're playing college football trying to make the professional level. You know, yeah, right. No one thinks pro wrestling is cool. Then, you know, it's all about football in different ways and more, you know, very macho stuff. And uh, so when I was doing powerlifting, I saw the ECW stuff with um, November to Remember, and I was captivated with watching uh, you know, the Deadly Boys and Mike Awesome and uh, the Sons mm-hmm. of Maka. And that's what, you know what, maybe I should try this. And I've been hooked ever since. Mm. Mm, nice. Yeah, yeah. Awesome thought. Yeah. Yeah, there, I mean, you because know, that's, that's the thing. A lot of, a lot of guys... Yeah, and and I I had I had the privilege uh, many years ago um, for like over a year I worked I worked with uh, Public Enemy in a promotion here in the Chicago area and that Um, and you know a lot a lot of people when you hear when they hear ECW all they think of is the you know is weapons and the hardcore and all that kind of stuff and they forget um the you know Guerrero Malenko classic they forget that Chris Jericho was in there um exactly. Mike Austin yes Ray Mysterio was there um Mike Austin and uh, Masato Tanaka those guys, oh my gosh! I mean, oh yeah, seriously, oh, those yeah. those two put on some classic performances, and that. Um, I mean, you know, it. I mean, I mean, I, those that still resonates with me to this day. And that, you know, I mean, many years ago, I I also had the privilege of meeting Paul Heyman when he was with uh, WCW, but uh, you know. Again, all the all the stuff, you know, the the stuff that these that they did besides the besides the hardcore and the outrageous uh storylines, they had some really great talent and yep. were you know were you know actually well ahead of their time when you sit there and you look at the guys that did wind up getting picked up from there. Uh, I mean, when uh, when Steve Austin got fired, he wound up going up there. 
Then, you know, not even a year later, boom, Vince hires them away and that mm-hmm. and you know and stuff and stuff like that. And you know, the list the list of the list of the guys from that company alone that mm-hmm. have made a lasting name for themselves yep. is you know, one of the one of the remarkable parts of our of our industry. And that. So, so now, so now, how? All right. So, how did you? How did you get hooked up with uh, with Rudy Gonzalez then? Well, with your, what well, a lot of these young kids, hopefully they learn now. But I don't. I didn't learn at the time until I got hooked up with Rudy. Is that unless you are being trained by the performance center or one of these major, like the New Japan do- Dojo or uh, Ring of Honor mm-hmm. Dojo or someone that's already established with television, your trainer may or may not know everything. So it's good to you know, get your get your fundamentals in and then start exploring training with different guys. You know, I, mm-hmm. that's what helped me with Rudy because I saw Rudy was starting to travel a lot with, you know, back then the, the social media was maybe MySpace if that then. <laughs> You know, and right. So the internet was the only way you could really the bigger promotion on the internet was the only way you would know what anything was going on. And Rudy would mm-hmm. get these guys, would get his students, and he would do a trip from San Antonio, Texas, to Atlanta, Atlanta, according to Georgia, to do shows there on a Friday night. That's about a fifteen-hour mm-hmm. drive, and then drive another ten, nine or ten hours to. New York City to be on the pre-show on Ring of Honor. So that's wow. what. Uh, oh yeah, you know, and, and, and then Ring of Honor is going to Japan and going to England and stuff like that. Yep. Time. So yep. of course, you want to make your money. You want to get noticed. So you can't get noticed. You know, I was wrestling in a bingo hall in in North Houston. You know, I was probably the farthest away from being on television ever, and I decided to you know. Stop being the king of Texas, making a hundred bucks a night, and gamble and learn how to wrestle everyone. And that's how you know with Bill Barron's Wild Side with the Rudy Boy and Ring of Honor Free Shows. That's how I learned how to make money and get on TV. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Bill Bill definitely as is a is a whiz at that. We uh, did an interview about a year or so ago with him. And With Mr. After? the knowledge, the knowledge that man has which is Bill? just have so many. Which Bill? Okay. Too many oh, speaking speaking of speaking of bills, a uh, mutual friend of ours, Sean, said to uh, say hi to you, Bill After. So Bill is awesome. Bill is awesome. Thank you, bro. I love Bill. Bill used to come yeah. around quite a bit. Yeah. I've I've known I've known Bill for, I've known Bill for probably around thirty years and I mean yeah what a what a you know what a brilliant man and a and a complete gentleman what a you know well, definitely is, professional yeah, yeah professional we do not swear when Mr Bill is on air <laughs> or listening yes he will hang up yes mm hmm. Oh, I, I've, so. yeah. 
Yeah, I just have to be a good girl, and that's kind of oh. hard for me to do as well. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a redhead. I'm a redhead and all. So redheaded Irish laugh. So kind of difficult sometimes. Uh. <laughs> so okay, so so you got so you got in with Rudy. Um, what was the what was the first booking that Rudy got you? Where it's like, oh my gosh, this is this is definitely uh, bigger than anything I've I've ever done before. Uh, it's real simple. Rudy Boy did not promise me a thing. Mm-hmm. He didn't promise me a book. He didn't promise me a booking. He didn't promise me nothing. He promised me the opportunity to be seen. That was it. Okay. So I'm going. So I'm going blind to Wild Side. I'm going blind to Ring of Honor. Oh hoping, damn! Hoping that that Gabe that Gabe picks me to do a free show match. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean that that's that shows you how you know a lot of these young kids don't realize. You know, right now it's, it's a lot easier getting on television these days than it was back, you know, 15, 20 years ago. You know, back yes, then, absolutely. You know, so Rudy had the lineage of being Shawn Michaels' last trainer. So he had a little bit of clout, but he didn't have enough clout to get people matches. He had enough clout to get you seen. Right in front of the faces of Bring of Honor, right in front of the faces of Bill Barrows and stuff like that. And mind you, I've already had two or three tours in Ring of Honor, I'm sorry, in all Japan before this. Mm-hmm. I'm going for making I'm going for making a hundred bucks on the Indies and then making two grand a week in all Japan. Sweet. I come with, then I start going to wrestling with Rudy and for opportunities and I think the biggest thing I got in Wildside for Bill Barrows was maybe thirty dollars. And that, was, mm. and that that was like a 12-hour drive, you know. Now, mind you, when I'm making in Texas, I'm I'm a hundred-dollar air. You know, I'm making hundred bucks Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. You know, we gotta swallow some mm-hmm. pride and learn how to. You know, yeah, you may know these people, or these people may know you, but can you wrestle and can you work with everyone? If you cannot, you just swallow your pride and take that pay cut and learn how to work. That's how mm-hmm. I learned how to work the world. Uh, with Bill, I learned how to work with Bring Them On the pre-shows. You know, mm-hmm. and the funny thing about it is, I'm doing the pre-shows. I was maybe, I think a couple, maybe three or four times, I was actually on the actual show of Bring Them On. And what, what would happen? Like four years later, me and Homicide are tagging together, and he was the main event all the time and Bring Them On at the time. So four years later, mm-hmm. and we're tagging together. So. You know, wrestling can can come full circle for a lot of people. Right, you right. Definitely can. You definitely can. Yeah. I would have to. Now agree. we've 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 had we've had homicide on before. Um, yes, and have. Uh, and we definitely we definitely liked him. He was he was he was really you know good to us in that. What was what was he, he was, like as a he partner? Was a and uh, he was a yeah, sweetheart. he was mm-hmm. he was. What was he like as a tag partner and uh, traveling on the road with him? <laughs> oh, okay. I like that. Those, that could I be like good. That could be good or bad. Us. We got we got some stories here, so mm-hmm. go okay. ahead, Bill. Bill, oh God, here we let's, go. Let's go. Let's go to the smart part first. Homicide uh, right. is, is the actual man when it comes to 
ring generalship and putting together matches and being the ultimate professional because, mind you, he was you know, a ring of honor legend. I was a pre-show guy. You know, he could have made the, those, those tag matches all about him because I didn't know if he was uh. wrestling. He did. And he could have just buried me and be very selfish or he could make, make a dust gel and we make a lot of money together and that's what happened. And uh, he's he's a mentor, a really good friend, and he's he's my brother. You know, mm-hmm. whatever he wants, he asks, "Hey, hey, let's go do this show." Even if I don't want to do it, I'm going to do it because he asked. You know, and okay. now homicide, now homicide, the uh, uh, travel partner is a little bit different. Uh, <laughs> it was really weird. Uh, I would I would drive during the day and he would drive during the night. And uh it okay. was and is that mind you, this is after the bar and this is after you know after your cocktails yeah. and stuff like that to be to be nice. And uh he would oh and this is before GPS and he would find the hotels and he would find a venue every time. And he was wow. sober. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> So, it's like, oh. And you know, you know what? You know, you know what? We we had a friend. We we had a friend that if he had to drive up, if he had to drive up, up north of the city, there's one town. It's maybe a three-hour drive. Him on a tab of acid took him twelve hours. Twelve hours. Uh, okay. Yeah. But that's but that's but, <laughs> but that's he got to the right Find a hotel. That's hilarious. He can find a hotel and find a venue after having a few drinks. That mm-hmm. that's a riot. Oh my gosh. Yep. That's 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 some that's some good stuff. So um yeah. all right, so let's so let's hear some let's hear some more I'm good hungry. homicide stories because uh well, you know, this is so a, this probably, is the guy, this is the best love one. Let him talk, Steve. Steve, you're getting tased. Stop it. The best one the best one and the most PG one is. Oh, come on. We're in upstate New York. I'm going to stop you. I'm going to stop you right there. This is not a PG rated show. You're allowed to say, do whatever you want on this show. Okay? It doesn't matter what you talk about. It doesn't matter. It's like Vegas. It stays here. (laughs) Okay. Well, real quick. We're doing doing house shows in upstate New York. And we never. This was. In 2006, so we don't we don't know how to use the GPS that's mounted on the on the rental car and stuff. And homicide decided to use he he said he said it right. And for some reason we want we wind up in in Canada. Uh oh. And I, I go, dude, let's just turn. I go, dude, let's just turn around. This is not good. We're not gonna make the show. We're gonna lose money, dude. Don't worry about it. I got it. I go, I go, Hamza, please don't talk. I'm begging you, do not talk to the custom guy. <laughs> sure enough, goes, trust me, trust me, I got it. So I defer to him. We go to the U.S. Canadian custom guy right there. He goes, sorry, sir, we're lost. We just want to U-turn, no problem, please. Can we just U-turn right there? We can go back on our way. Right on. Well, and then all of a sudden, Hamza decided he wanted to talk and say, Hey, what pro wrestling Canadians love Bret Hart. So can you just let us turn around real quick, please? 
So we, they make us go in the office and they search us and they search the car and two hours later we get to Shit. go back home. So oh never, when Homicide is sober and it has to do with authorities and he says he's got it, he doesn't got it. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't got it. Just take the L, just take the L and just, you know, pay the little penalty and go. <laughs> <laughs> oh my my my! Oh, oh, that's that's hilarious. That is oh my god! <laughs> oh man! Me me okay. I I'm I'm a mouthpiece. I'm everything else, and usually every other word is fuck this, fuck that, eat shit, fuck you, or suck my dick. But when I talk to the authorities, oh yeah, I know how to talk. I get out of everything. Oh my god! <laughs> All right, so that's so that's the PG story. How about how about some of the non PG stories? <laughs> well, let's put come on, man, Triple X. Our 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 main line at, at certain establishments we went to was we've been kicked out of better places than this. So it's <laughs> <laughs> whether it was a strip club, whether it's a bar, whether it's a twenty-four-hour diner. Yeah, we've been kicked out a lot better places. At the nudie bar. <laughs> oh. Well, what got you kicked out? We we don't care about where. What got you kicked out? <laughs> you can tell well, the nudie, nudie you bar know, story. Well, what did you do with the nudie bar? No, it's so simple. You have a very um, New York thick accent of New York homicide, and you have a very you know, Latin, but very white-speaking <laughs> Latin big dude, and so we don't yeah. match at all when we talk. So, you know, <laughs> it, it can cause a little bit of problems like when you're in Alabama or Georgia or oh, Mississippi. Man. <laughs> with a, with a <laughs> accents and, oh, and, and our look, and we're coming in there with, with bandanas, you know, the whole LAX look, and it was, you know, so... If, you know, it's not like how it is. The culture is not like how it is now. And, you know, mm. almost 2020. This is 2006 where, you know, things things are, you know, how how people preach against anti-bullying and stuff like this. It wasn't like that then, you know, 06, 07, you know, yeah. where if you looked a certain way, that they were calling the cops. No questions asked. Oh, I know what that's like. I, I went out to New. Um, I'm from Canada, of course. Oh, wow. I, I was out. I was out in New Brunswick, and I wasn't dressed the way they were dressed. And I'm talking. I just went. I just wanted an ice cream cone from a corner store, okay. And I'm standing there for ten minutes, getting ignored. You know, and just the way it's just. I found them to be very rude. Yeah, Miramichi, Nova Scotia. You guys are fucking assholes. But yeah, just because I I didn't look or talk or dress like them, and they gave, they gave you that you're not from around here, are you? And I'm like, yeah, and I'm pretty glad I'm not. I'm feeling pretty good about it too. <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, I hear you. My. I hear you. Oh my gosh. So. Field oh trip ever. man. <laughs> yeah. So now, but so, it's true. So, you don't look away a certain way. You don't talk a certain way. I I do I do street kid outreach, okay, like street people outreach. And um, this weekend we did a really big event with the Al the Cold program and some other people as well. 
and police officers. Okay, and I'm able to flow in there and deal with everybody. You know, and I don't look like everybody else. And you want to know what it what does it? Braided pigtails. I'm serious. Oh I'm not man. Braided pigtails. Yeah. Mm. I could be wearing Doc Martens. I could be wearing a bomber jacket. I can go anywhere and still be able to float and interact with everybody else. But it's true. Mm. You don't look a certain way. I mean, I remember when, okay, I, yeah, I used to go to church. I used to go to church. Okay. And I used to have a bohawk. And I used to I used to wear all black and pair, a pair of 18-hole docks. And sometimes skirts that I shouldn't have bent over in. And um, big skull rings. And even I, I chewing bubble gum, blowing big black bubbles and getting in shit for it. You know, and uh, well, uh, um, first couple of weeks I was I was on the top of everybody's prayer list, and then you open your mouth to sing or speak scripture, and everything's okay. You know, yeah. so I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Yeah. So. All right. So let's so let's talk about how did you how did you first uh, get uh, get noticed to uh, uh, go to TNA? Who who was who was the uh, person that uh, Said, hey, you know what? We'd like to we'd like to get you on board with us here. Well, I owe my whole teenage career at the time to Bill Barons because okay, the whole year uh, for the whole year of two thousand two or five, I think two thousand three, every other weekend I went to Cornelia, Georgia, and wrestled for him to learn how to wrestle because I was wrestling. I was I was all Japan and Mexico and. I was just a, a big guy doing, you know, a bunch of throws and dives and moonsaults and different cool moves, but no, they weren't, you know, I couldn't tell a story. I couldn't do transitions and different things. So they were booking me as an Aussie, and All Japan finally sat me down and said, hey, man, if you don't learn more mat wrestling and transitions, you're not, yeah. well, you're, you're you're going to be a normal, you're going to be, you know, a normal guy until you, until you get injured and can't do your moves no more. And yeah. Bill reached out to me and said, "Hey, I can help you get this. I can help you learn this stuff, and you can make money." And I listened to him. I went there every other weekend for a year, and it paid off. The TNA called me after after that after that year was up. Hmm. Yeah. And Wild Side, of course. I mean, you know the the guys the guys that uh, came from came from that promotion. I mean. Oh, I mean, of course, everybody everybody knows about uh, AJ because I mean AJ has become you know the big name, but of course, yep. uh, um, Abyss, who who yep. I who I worked with, um, was uh, was uh, known as it. Prince Justice over there, and yep. in fact, and in fact, in the locker room when I worked with him in uh, Indiana. That's what we all called him was justice. Uh, you had uh, Ron Killings, who of course uh, later became our truth. Uh, Caprice Coleman came out of there. Um, the I mean that's you know again for you know again for a place that was done in a uh, in a in a gym from a small uh, former grade school. That again a lot of a lot of guys that uh, have. Turn 
turned into uh, big stars came out of that out of that little building and that and that's just again it's 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 what's so amazing and that so now um now of course uh when now when your first now your first TNA run uh, and I heard and I'm hearing an echo somewhere um I heard, um, I heard it too doesn't matter. It's not uh, I mean, you had you had. Uh, I mean, you were you had matches with uh, Shane Douglas. Um, you were in a uh, group called the Elite Guard. Um, uh, you uh, went. You went. You actually. You got to step in the ring with Dusty Rhodes. Yeah, let's, um, let's talk a little bit about Dusty Rhodes. Yeah, and let's, that's, let's, that's, yeah, let's talk me. about... Hey, hold on a second. Um, um, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, I decided I'd change the whip. Steve, you just took my topic. Guess what? Come on, <laughs> yes, let's, let's, uh, let's talk about how, what it was like to work with the man himself, the living stardust. The dream. The, the Dusty at the time was the, in the gorilla position. He was pretty much doing a lot. Of, him and uh, Jerry Jarrett were doing the TNA stuff back then in the gorilla position, and they were awesome. I mean, Dusty, he could, you know, he could. He was just like the, the mastermind of like an Xbox controller, uh, putting these guys in the right spots to make the things, you know, when the people would respond, whether the, the wrestler was good or not. They, if they did exactly what Dusty said, those people would react. And if Dusty, I don't think he gets enough credit to work with a, a great business mind he has. Oh. Even if he didn't wrestle himself, I'm just talking about putting people in the right places at the right time in front of the, in front of the crowd, the different crowds. And they would, if they listened to what he said, it would be magic. Yeah. And he, wow. from what I what I have been told of the man, he just he loved the wrestlers that he worked with. He genuinely loved them and he genuinely supported them and backed whatever gimmick or whatever they were doing. He he was he was invested. Hey Hi, Blue. Hi, Jeff. And he asked, Hi. The man actually man actually cared. We talk about that throat if he knew. Yeah, Dusty was uh, I mean, one of a kind and I don't I don't know that we'll ever see another guy rise to stardom the way that Dusty did. I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to agree with you. Anything he touched was magic and as I always say and I say it often, you could give the man a mic and just say, "Go." And yes. You'd have gold right off the top of his of his blonde head. Just absolute sheer magic. Now, and, uh, let's go. yeah, TNA oh. was uh, responsible, Hernandez, for not only you, but uh, also a guy by the name of Abyss who never, you know, there were a lot of rumors that Vince called him, but never, never left TNA until, uh, you know, the end. Oh, this is awesome. I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm really good friends with Chris. He, he's wrestling with me a lot of times here in San Antonio. 
you know, I'm super happy for him. He's going to produce a role in WWE. You know, okay, who's mouth-breathing? No, it's not me. <laughs> okay, whoever's mouth-breathing, knock it off, because I'll go through the list and mute you. All right, thank you. Keep going, sir. This is your show. Well, go ahead. No, it's not my show. Uh, no, it's, oh, yes. you know, when um, Impact called it to come back, to do the the LAX versus New LAX, um, it was actually Abyss and um, Sanjay Dutt's idea for us to do it, and they, I guess they used their friendship to get me to come back because <laughs> I was not coming back, and you know, Homicide wanted you know Homicide wanted to do it because these are kids that he mentored, so of course whatever Homicide wants, but I mean, you know, with Sanjay and Abyss, I can't say nothing nothing but great things about Abyss. Mhm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. Chris is a great guy. I, 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 I had a lot of fun working working with him and that. But uh, wow. So now let's so let's talk about this because of course uh, until um, the last iteration of the group left and went to AEW, the initials LAX were probably the hottest initials in TNA impact, you know, whatever, whatever you want to call it. And that, um, and of course, okay, the mouth breather is time, back, knock it off. Ooh, I'm serious. That mouth breathing is, I'm, I'm serious. I'm going to go somebody. Let's try Thank something you. here. Yeah. Okay. I know well, he's doing it and he's been told and I know exactly what the sound is and he knows he's supposed to mute. Thank yep. you. So, all right. So, but yeah, of course. But of course, the uh, the linchpin in all of this was was Conan. Um, what was it? What was it like to be able to work with him? To be able to pick his brain and get the and get the knowledge that he's got from from working from working both sides of the of the fence the uh the american catches catch can side and the uh um lucha libre style well it's real simple um to be honest conan was with me on homicide for only a year so i didn't learn very much from him he he did all the mic work we weren't allowed to be on the mic at all you know, I'm just right. gonna do his little brat, and that was it. And you know, to be honest, I learned more from Homicide because we were LAX for four or five years, and I was the only we was only with Coram for one year. You know, then we were by yes. ourselves, and then we were Hector Guerrero, and then we were Shelly Martinez. So I mean, the common denominator was myself and Homicide, and uh, you know, and always, you know. The only thing when it was me, Homicide, and Conan, we we, we destroyed merch sales on LAX T-shirts. You know, when we were with Shelly Martinez and with, we were Hector, we were always still top five. So, mm. you know, Conan Conan's a legend in Mexico. He's a legend in the states as well. Yes, when you when you only allowed we we allowed you know I think I talked on the microphone one time. When, maybe, no, I get to say one sentence, and Homicide always got to do brat, and he hugged the mic the whole time, which is, you know, that was his role. But 
mm-hmm. you know, we, to be honest, we didn't chance to kick his brain because he was just worried about the bike. And then when he left it okay. the year, when he left it the year, it was just me and Homicide blindly going out there. And luckily, with you know, we were having good matches, so no one cared. Mm, okay, okay. All right. Now, you talk about uh, um, fun time Shelly Hernandez and, uh, of course, uh, Hector Guerrero. I mean, you know, let's let's go let's go ahead let's uh let's talk about about working with Hector because I mean you know here yes, here you please. are you are you are now in the company of one of the one of the greatest names in all of professional wrestling I mean the Guerrero name was literally known throughout the throughout the North American hemisphere and that um so what what type what type of what type of things was was Hector able to teach you that um, maybe you know you you didn't you didn't know before you actually got to got to work with him and that. Well, for Hector it was you know a totally different thing. He was very interactive with us. Um, mm-hmm. The only thing, the only thing different with, with you know, like you know, it's with, with the Conan promos. He really got to the heart of the issue with racism and stuff like that, good, bad, or ugly. He always pushed the issue of racism with the Hispanics. And if you notice, when we were with Hector, it was always about positivity and hey, let's all get along. Uh-huh. So it was, it was, it was a very big uh, contrast. And, uh, you know, Hector would actually get in the ring and, hey, man, we should try this move. Or, hey, man, you know, because, I mean, you know, his, his, his dad, Gory, invented the camel clutch. Mm-hmm. Oh, come on. Yeah. So, so, so why am I not going to listen to Hector? You know, you know right. your, your own, wow. his, his own dad, Gory Guerrero, invented the camel clutch. So, of yep. course, I'm going to, you know, you want to show me something? Hell yes. Let me look twice. Let me make sure everyone's shutting the hell up so I can make sure I, I have 1,000% focus on you because you were willing to give the ring. He's a little bit older, a little bit beat up, but he's willing to show me different moves that might work in, in different matches that people haven't seen in a while. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. So that, yeah, so, so in other words, he... He brought he brought you back into some uh, old school psychology that people people hadn't people hadn't seen in the ring, and that and made what was old new again. It sounds like exactly. Now you, you said you put the words out of my mouth. So, you know, you know, you haven't seen it in a while. Oh, that's new. No, bro, that was from twenty five years ago, and uh, you know, especially with the teenage style at the time. In the you know, in the mid to late 2000s, was you know, very high, pass, high high fast paced matches with very little selling. You know, no no mm-hmm. you know, most you know, let's be realistic. Most of the guys in the X division, you probably could not remember either their name or their or their gimmick because they're just doing move after move after move. And uh-huh. with when Hector was when Hector was 
our management, we slowed slowed it down a little bit and, and was able to tell better stories because, you know, he's given us that knowledge and actually wanted to get in the ring with us, actually want to spend time with us, see where our strengths, see where our weaknesses are. And it was really mm-hmm. just definitely different. Mm. Wow. Wow. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, we're at the top of the hour. So, uh, um, we'll go ahead and, uh, we'll take, we'll take a little break here. Um, John, what you'll want to do is just, yeah, go ahead, Katie, you explain it. Okay. Anybody who calls into this show, and also if you're listening, your call is only held for two hours and maybe about six minutes. Your call will hang up. So do refresh your call. But if you're called in, it's best to do it. If you're listening, do it if you want. Do it, don't do it. I don't care. But I'm doing it right now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so just so Sean, just uh, go ahead, disconnect, and then uh, and then call right back in, and and you'll be good, okay? Okay, bro. Thank you. All right, sounds good. All right, All right folks, um, we will be uh, back in just a couple of minutes. You are listening to Wrestling Authority Radio on the Evolution Radio Network. We'll be right back.
on the Evolution Radio Network and exclusively live on Blog Talk Radio. You're going to continue part two of our interview with Supermax Sean Hernandez. I am Statistic Sean David along with our co-host, the Dean of Wrestling Referee, Steve Kane. And the reason why the show will never be a bag of dicks, Chaotic Katie. Welcome back, folks. Yay. <laughs> All right. Well, um, when we left off, we were talking about uh, um, working with uh, um, Hector Guerrero, and that uh, yes. let's and let's get let's get into the female part of this combi- of this combination. Shelly Hernandez, yes, like- fun time Shelly. Uh, tell us a li- tell us a little bit about about uh, about Shelly. Um, I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff out on the internet about her, but let's get the real deal from somebody who actually knows her. Okay, well, Shelly was we had Conan. Conan quit, was back to AAA. Hector was, Hector was their manager for a while and obviously they didn't like the, how it meshed this, the visual because you have myself, Homicide, and then you have Hector, so Hector went back to the Spanish announce table, and they brought in Shelly. Oh, and Ouch. it was a little, which was a little awkward because she looked great, she looked fit and well perfect, but, but you know, like we talked about this before, Homicide has a New, New York weekend accent, where the you know the the people in Nashville don't think that needs to be on the microphone. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a big, I'm a big, I'm a big Latino, but I talk very Anglo, <laughs> so they don't think. Oh, you're not too, an- you're not too, you're not too Anglo. Okay, I'm, going, I'm going, I'm going from from the Nashville, the Nashville yeah. Latino office. So mm-hmm. you have, then you have Shelly, which was awkward because Shelly is, you know, from from California. Um, has the right. like the you know like the, the the valley accent and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So okay. it was so it didn't mesh at all uh, verbally because you know we visually looked awesome together because you know big dude, little dude, and oh. uh, you know good looking girl. But we got right. if you notice back that time we got no microphone time, none, zero, zilch. And if you don't get mm. microphone time. If you don't get microphone time on you know on television on a you know on a, a WB or TNA at the time, you're not getting prime time you know prime time matches. You're getting filler matches where your matches already joined in progress or matches that have good matches on the show, not storylines, not um, 
you know, made a million views what everyone wants to do. So, uh huh. When you if you if you if you if you don't get that mic, that mic is gold. That mic is your key to getting hey. the main event. And if you don't have, you know, there's three of us. And the, and the management team was not like how none of us talk on the microphone. We were dead in the water, no matter how good we looked. Uh huh. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, if you, can't, if you can't, I mean, sure. I mean, like, it's okay. I do like to watch a, a lot of old cinema, and I was, I was, uh, you know, especially stuff like Gene Kelly movies, and I was watching Bing Crosby and White Christmas, and I always say it back then, back in the 50s and whatnot, you had to know how to do everything. You had to know how to sing, you had to know how to dance, and you had to know how to act, and you had to be funny. And you had to sound good on a mic as well, because that, that was a lot of, speaking of which, Joan Crawford almost didn't, didn't want to do talking cinema because she didn't like her voice. You know, so it's the same. If, do you get what I'm meaning? You have to be able to do everything. At the drop of a hat, at the snap of a finger, go go go. Yeah. Agree. So. I'm sorry. I just right. feel like the girl talks and everybody yeah. shuts up. You know. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but no, I no, I I get what I get what you're saying, Katie. You definitely no, it definitely makes. the other day. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that's why a lot of the uh, silent stars couldn't transition to the to the talkies because their voices just really really didn't fit in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. so All right. All right. So, in singing in so, the rain. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you get so you get in um on the on the se- on the second run of uh of TNA and that. Um or impact whatever whatever people want to want to call it. Um and yeah. I mean, you definitely, you definitely fit in some with some with some really uh, good teams. I mean, you were you were in with uh, with uh, Team 3D, aka the Dudley yeah. Boys. Uh, yeah. Uh, back back then, well, let's see. Back back then, uh, he was uh, he was known as Senshi. Um, but of course, most people know him as Loki, um, Elix Skipper, um, the Motor City Machine Guns. Yep. So there, yeah. So so that was so that was uh, that was quite a quite a few uh, really good teams that uh, and that that uh, that you that you guys uh, worked with. Uh, who really was the team that uh, you think maybe uh, got you guys? Over the over the most in terms of yeah they made they made us look so good in the ring. Well, it's you know at the time from like '06 to about 2009, I don't care what anyone says, TNA had the best tag division at the time. You know, you had mm-hmm. myself and Homicide, you had you know, AJ and, and Daniels, you had the, the Machine Guns. Right. You had you had you know the Dudley Boys 3D, you know you know when your when your worst tag team your worst tag team is um, Rock and Rave Infection, which is Jimmy Rave and, and Lance Hoyt, you know Lance Hoyt is killing it now in New Japan, 
yeah. you know, that's not bad at all. When that's the, that's the worst team you have to face. In management, in not no, not in our eyes, but in management's eyes, you know, right. That's the worst thing you have to face. You're gonna hit a home run every fucking night. Every every night, you yeah. know, you look at the board. Okay, I, I, you know, the only thing, you know, we're, we're more worried about if we have to work, if we have to do a squash match, must be the machine guns or three D or uh, Rock and Rave or um, AJ and Daniels because. You know, at least we know these guys can all go. And these guys are awesome, and they're and they're going to shine and do as well as possible. We hated doing squash matches when we don't know who we were getting. You know, what I mean, right? For those three years, it was like magic. We we were, we were happy to come to work because, okay, you didn't like how we talk on the mic, so we just screwed around, eight, you know, eight catering and screwed around all day waiting for the show, and you know, had a good six to ten minute TV match, and life was great. I mean, the, the the tag division from 06 to 09 was phenomenal for for everyone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, looking, you know, I mean, you know, looking, looking through uh, from just, you know, from going back just through uh, what uh, you know, what it shows, what it shows on uh, Wikipedia as the uh, um, as the as the guys that uh, you were. Oh, you all were involved with, and yes. that uh, it's some really, really excellent, excellent teams. I was, I was always a big fan of the uh, of the Machine Guns. I thought, I thought those guys had a, you know, had a had a great working style, and that. Um, and I mean, Chris Daniels, Chris Daniels, and I actually trained together at Windy City. Back in the back in the day, so uh, I mean, I know I know I know Chris Daniels like I know the back of my hand. That's how much that's how much time we oh, spent yeah. in, in rings with each other, and that. So it's so it's definitely, you know, it's definitely quite a quite a quite a feeling. And then um, uh, the the uh, the British invasion. Uh, Doug Williams, Rob Terry. And a guy at the time that uh, they were calling Brutus Magnus, yes. who of course everybody now knows as Nick Aldis, who is the current NWA World Heavyweight Champion. Um, so, why, let's let's talk, let's talk a little bit about about those guys and uh, maybe um, Aldis in particular. <laughs> Well, you have with the British invasion, you have Rob Terry, who was a monster. You know, six five, two eighty five, mm-hmm. ripped. Right. You have Doug Williams, who's a world traveler in England and Japan, and Ring of Honor. Then you have right. you know Magnus Nick Aldis at the time, and uh, he was this great looking kid. I mean, he was he couldn't have been. He was under twenty five. I know that he was young. Yeah, he's still young, and um, right. He was, you know, in the British. He 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 came from like um, the, the American Gladiator version of of, of England. I don't know what they call it over there, but that's what he was actually one of the main characters on the show for like for like um, American Gladiators. Okay. And um, so we didn't really know what to expect because I mean, here's this guy who's like a, a movie star, 
and he's on you know one of Britain's number one sh- you know shows there. We know if he can wrestle or not, and right, he was he was a little bit green in the beginning, but I mean I would say within a, within like four to six weeks he picked up the style faster than anyone, and then even it was even selling even more when he was they started tagging him with uh, Samoa Joe. And mm-hmm. he, yeah, but you know, they, they, they'll go into to, to Japan and stuff like that. So, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, in between taping, so they were killing it. So, I mean, Magnus or Nick Aldis, or whatever you want to call him now, he's he had a fast learning curve. I mean, he he picked it up faster than I've ever seen anyone do it. And a little bit different because he had to learn on live TV. You know, so if he made a mistake, it would they would be magnified and they would be, you know, Right. He'd be sitting. He'd be sitting at home. So, I mean, here's this young guy who's giving this big push, and he's he's going with it. He's eating it up, and he's giving it back, and he's doing well. And I mean, his learning curve was very short. I mean, he props to him. And now he's, you know, I saw him in Muscle mm-hmm. King this past weekend. And he's, I mean, he's a, he's just the ultimate wing general now. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I I watch I watch a lot of uh of uh power and uh you know, I mean like I like you say, you know, I mean I watched him of course in T N A as Magnus and that and then you know, when he when he came when he came back um under his own name, it was you know, it was like oh, wow, this guy's this guy's gotten even better than he was back then. And so it's, you know, so it's, well, it's quite, it's quite the, you know, it's quite the uh, deal. And he's definitely uh, made, made up, a, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, really, really, he's, he's, he's had some, he has had some, he's had some great matches over, you know, over the, over the course of his career so far now and I mean he's still obviously you know there's a long a long way that uh you know that he can that he can keep that he can keep going and that is I mean obviously oh he's he's nowhere he's nowhere near done yeah barring injury he's got another 10 to 15 years yeah yeah, Whoa. that's saying a lot. Yeah, easily, easily, because I just yeah, because I just checked as we were talking there, and he's only he's only thirty three himself. So, you know, I mean, you know, in 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 re- in wrestling parlance, that's still that's still quite young. Absolutely, and it is. So, Absolutely. um, that's that's a feat in itself. Right. Right. Well, I'll tell you now, what. Now, another guy said, that you yeah, got go ahead. Work, I'm sorry, Sean. I am going. Another to guy that you got to work interrupt. with. Uh, another guy you got to work with in TNA was Sting, and it looked like they were also going to give you at one point a run with the world title. Can you tell us a little bit about that? <laughs> of course. Uh, Sting was. Yay. awesome. You know, he was said something bad about Sting. Needs to look in the mirror. What's wrong with you? Oh. You know, 
this this guy was you know this guy's a legend and was you know he knew he knows business and he wanted to put me over clean in the ring every time we wrestled and then we wrestled twice and both times he said no you're staying you're a legend you know Sean can win by DQ and then just obviously you know you guys know wrestling mm. you know if you're yep. doing singles matches you know you cannot win by DQ every time before the fans start you know crapping on you you know so I'm right. having you know, the, the, you know I was doing my single push um, Jim Cornette was was eating on my matches, on my promos and stuff like that. The people were behind me, Mans was behind me, everyone was behind me. It was coming to fruition. I was going to get the belt, and Cornette they had a meeting, and everyone had to agree with how Cornette was running the program. If you weren't a hundred percent bored on how he ran the program. You know, you need to you let people know so that we can make other arrangements. And Jim Cornette, being Jim Cornette, said he was not a hundred percent on board with how creative was run, so he quit. And I remember I was with my kids, you know, grocery shopping, and he called me and said, "Hey, I'm sorry, but I could just quit." And I was crushed because I mean, you know, watch you watch all my singles matches when I'm doing semi squashes and different things like that. He put all that together. I mean, Jim Cornette ages every effing move I did when I was, when I was doing singles. Wow. So, mm. I mean, Jim Cornette was, was super hands on. He would, I mean, for him to have that much confidence in me and that much to why he knows that I can make some money as being a single star and, you know, literally, you know, when I'm going over my matches, he's over the ringside. I mean, from the lockup to the finish, he's involved. You know, making me do wow. it again, making different angles, different things like that. I mean, he's he was a dream for myself, you know, and he was doing great. And then when he disagreed with how management or how creative was ran, he quit and sort of my push because, you know, I guess they wanted to erase whatever Jim was doing because. You know, it was Jim, right? And, you know, yeah. but but the problem is, I, you, I'm too far in deep because you have me doing the single push. You know, I'm you know I'm on. You know, I got I got, I got the I got the little briefcase to, to cash in the title shot. Yeah, right. And they screwed up. They screwed up the first time and gave me back the briefcase <laughs> again to do it again. And they didn't oh, man. do it. You know. It's like when you know, when you get the briefcase, and you know everyone knows, your mom knows, the kids, you know the kids watching on on, on and, you know on the floor know, you know your mom, mm-hmm. your grandma who died, your grandma who died twenty years knows that this guy's getting the belts. It's just not if mm. it went, and mm-hmm. they decided it was if. <laughs> oh, oh wow! Oh my gosh! Yeah, wow. So we, you know, so here, here they are, you know, hum, you know, with Cornette quitting, and they want to try to erase his stuff, and it didn't work out so well. And um, so they had um, Bischoff and Hogan take over, and mm-hmm. I already saw the right, I already saw the right on the wall because just in the initial talks, 
with Bischoff that, you know, myself or Homicide, um, he's not going to like us. <laughs> so I, I, got with, I got with Dixie. I said, hey, um, I think, you know, let's try to do something different. Let's, you know, you, you want me to work on I have very bad Spanish. I speak, you know, I still have bad Spanish. I, I speak Spanglish. And, um, hey. I said, I go, let me go to AAA, you know, and I, I live in Mexico City, get better Spanish, get, you know, get all the Spanish, you know, all the Mexican fans behind me, and I'll come back, and then we'll get, we'll try it again. And so I moved to Mexico City in 2010 for nine months, and I came back, and they gave me a, a crappier version of LAX than when I left. So it was very awkward. Oh. <laughs> and oh my god! You know, and, and people could say, "Oh, you should have quit. You should have this. You should, you should have that." Bro, I'm making dime jeans base. You know, anytime I do a house show or anytime I do a indie show, that was just bonus money. So who's gonna give? You know, who's gonna give up 110, 120 grand a year because you can become heavyweight champion? I'm not. You know. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, I remember, me, I, I remember. I mean, come on. If you, you remember, I was on the Indies doing her bucks a show. Remember that? And then she had to have oh, a right. real job. So, I think, so when you have a real job and you have to have a flexible job on the Indies, you know your your choice of making good money is not very good. So I was unloading yeah. trucks for like eight, eight bucks an hour, and then making a hundred bucks on indie show. So um, I'm not going back to that. So uh, let me take this 90 grand, you know, in house show money and indie money and then shut the hell up. And who cares if I'm a champ or not? And that's, right, that's right. basically what I did. You know, because, I mean, let's be realistic. At the end of the day, is, is me being the heavyweight champion going to make me, you know, is going to pay my house note? No, it's, that check is going to pay my house note. You know, so, I mean, yep. I, did, I, I did what was right for my family at the time. So anyone can say, oh, I'm going to stand my ground. I'm going to quit if I don't get the heavyweight belt. Okay, do that. And, and, and guess what? There's going to be 10 or 20 guys waiting for you to quit to take your spot. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, all right. So let's let's talk a little bit about uh, about AAA. And let's talk about the lucha style because, of course, you know um, anybody anybody that uh, follows that. And, oh yes, please. Uh, and of course, uh, one of our one of our uh, um, good friends is uh, Hugo Savinovich from oh, uh, yes. from AAA. Got, uh, yeah, Uncle Hugo. Yeah. Well, luckily for myself, AAA is. Is the easier of the two of the, between the AAA and Simla L because they wrestle more of American style and more a more of American TV style. They still do lucha, but they they're, they're more pageantry. They're more about storylines and th- things like that. To where you have to you have to be able to work a crowd no matter how many cool submissions and how many cool chain wrestles you can do. You know, and they, they treat it more you know. Simuel is, is, is definitely the older and more established and more old school style, but AAA is more the WWE style where 
you have to have a gimmick. You have to have my skills. You have to have a catchphrase. You have to connect with the fans, or you're not going to get booked. Uh huh. Okay. Okay. Exactly. Now that's now. Yeah. You know, we we never we've never actually got into that part of it with Hugo. So um, you're the first person from that uh, worked in that company that uh, we've actually talked to. That's gotten. Um, in ring outside of uh, Laredo Kid, and we didn't even really talk to talk to him about that much then because at that time he was just uh, he was starting to make his mark in uh, in Impact. So that's so that so that says that definitely explains a lot. I know what I know what you're saying because of course you know um, because I'm probably of the of the three of us I'm the AAA geek. I'm the one who sits there and. Uh, no, 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 you're just a geek. No, you're just a geek, Steve. Steve, you're a geek. <laughs> you're just a geek. And I'm going to interrupt you for uh, half a second because sometimes when people type to me, it's actually about the show. Um, I was asked, uh, because this person may not have heard it, what, how old were you when you started fighting? I guess she means wrestling. And out of... Out of everyone you have faced in the ring, who is the toughest? Hello. <laughs> and John, did you get that? Yeah, that's your question, Sean. That's for you, Sean. That's not for me. Because um, I was like since I was about 14. <laughs> what? The last time, I mean, the toughest person I've ever wrestled was Dr. Death. Dr. Death. Yeah. That's saying something right there. Understandable. Understandable. But how old were so. you when you stepped into the ring the first time for your first match? I don't. I don't care if it was like your first TV match or match. Period. You know. Of what? Um, Brasslin. <laughs> twenty. I was twenty-five, twenty-six years old. Mm. Okay. So, okay. You know, okay. So I mean, it's, it's, you know. So, you know, coming from football, it's not very scary, you know, yeah. on, the, on, the, on the indie level. And then when you wrestle all Japan and you know the lineage and you know the history and you know, you know, you know the, the, the backstory of, you know, of, of Steve Williams, where he was an all-American, you know, wrestler at football and, and wrestling in college, you know. Yes. If he was, he could have he could played pro football if he wanted to. But he you know, obviously where, where, where the money was at, especially in Japan and the Mid South Territory, this guy was the. I mean, it was just in awe. I mean, every Japanese wrestler was scared to even shake this guy's hand. So, I mean, <laughs> here I am, this you yeah, know, doing the business. Maybe I, I was in the business literally for two years, and I'm wrestling with this guy. So it's, it was very intimidating. Oh, oh yeah! Wow, that's that's saying yeah, quite a bit. That's saying quite a bit. Well, Kai, we'll we'll continue on with the questions. This is this is for me. Um, who did you enjoy most being in the ring with, and who you don't have to say, but is there somebody that you really don't like being in the ring with? I I, I don't like being in the ring with um with. When the promoter wants me to put, wants me to wrestle an indie guy, and oh. then the indie, the indie guy had no, he has no business being in the ring with me. 
Yeah. And yet okay, they but, still want me to wrestle him and still put him over. That's, yeah. probably, that's probably the only time I have. I don't want to wrestle someone. And it's not because I don't want to wrestle them, it's that because they're in over their head and it's something that I cannot teach in a 10, mm-hmm. 15, or 20 minute match. Yeah, so you just rag all mm-hmm. them, wash them. No, it's just you try to make it work and, and, and hope they yeah. can remember their own come, hope they can remember their own comeback. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, you sound yeah. like me, man. I'll dump the shit in oh. you and you're not. Unfortunately for myself, I'm a heavyweight wrestler, so when I'm wrestling indie guys and certain promoters, you know, a lot of indie promoters want me to wrestle their local champ. And the local champ has two, you know, two oh, to five yeah. or less years experience, and which is not a problem. But when you are a, a so-called power wrestler, mm-hmm. you don't want a hometown all you, hero. All you, all you have to do is YouTube and Google me, and you can see does your power skills match what I'm doing for the last twenty years? And if they're not, mm-hmm. you know. Doing the, you know, doing the, not only doing the moves, but making sure people land safely as possible. Yeah, yeah. That, that's right. what, that's what the, what, what okay. the, the young people guys I have, have no issue. You know, I got guys want to do mm-hmm. pop up, pop up DVDs, and what the hell? I go, you're five ten, two thirty. Why are you trying to do moves that for like a a, a six five guy? You know, okay. And, we, and I try, and I, you know, I get up there, and they feel miserably, and then wonder why their their reaction when they win, when they win, or when they go over as a lukewarm at best. So, yeah. Uh huh. You, you know, because I don't wow. want to be that guy. I don't want to be that you know that better who says no, you can't do that move. No, I'm gonna let you do that move. If you can't mm-hmm. do it clean, you're gonna look stupid in front of your hometown fans. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Listen listen to your lessons. Okay, here's something I want to ask you. This is something I've been noticing a lot of, um, and I'm not liking it, and I've noticed that people are getting hurt. A lot of stuff is being done straight up on, on the apron lately, and we're talking like serious throw moves, like just getting slammed on the corner of that apron just right right across the spine or right across the small of the back. Like I didn't really see too much of that. That's basically like, hitting somebody from behind in hockey up against the boards on their neck. I just noticed one thing, and I want to know if you see it too, there's more injuries, and a lot of the times, and of course, I see a lot of it in the WWE more often than none, it almost looks like they're trying to take each other out. I understand climbing the ladder and all, but now it looks like they're trying to take each other out for months or to a year. You know, it's just I, I see, you know, well, it looks like they're trying to, honest, to hurt each other. To be honest, I don't watch WWE or Impact or anything. If I'm not on the show, I'm not watching. I've been yeah. on, you know, I've been on TV for a while. Any wrestling, so. any wrestling. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, you know, as far as you're talking about the apron bumps, on the, you know. On, yeah. That's, that's, you know, that's, that's fine if you're doing a shock, shock and all that, you know, you know, factor for the crowd. Yeah. When, you, when you see any guys doing it, especially on indie shows like 100 people, two, 300 people, you're a dumbass. You're, you know, you obviously don't have, don't have the moves or the charisma or know how to work to get the crowd invested in you to do it in the ring. So uh-huh. let me get let me 
let me do this. Let me do a spine buster uh, on the apron. Yeah. You know, yeah. Let me let, you know, let me powerbomb this guy on the edge of the apron and start to get a reaction. How about instead of hurting that guy, because you know he got hurt, how about you go to, you know, take a couple of weekends off and don't wrestle and actually go to school and train and learn how to work and how to get reactions without trying to kill someone. Right. Yeah. Or, or worse, yeah. hoping that they don't get, you know, the, the, the one that hurts them the most is three moves and to do moves, hoping the guy doesn't get hurt. Yeah, don't be going to giving yeah. anybody no spinal stenosis, okay? So. Yeah, that's 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 a great that's a great point, Sean. I mm-hmm. I, I definitely appreciate where you're coming from on that. Absolutely. Now, yeah. um, now uh, we'll talk we'll talk about this and we'll talk about it in kind of a limited way because uh, you know we don't want to. Yeah, I'll cross any cross any lines here in that, but of course for a while you also were with uh, Lucha Underground, and uh, we've 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 made a lot of friends of uh, guys that uh, were on the roster: uh, Marty Marty Casaus, uh, Shane Strickland, now um, uh, Isaiah Swerve Scott, or whatever uh, Vince is calling him. And that, and um, you know, and Krista uh, um, Joseph, who just recently left MLW and uh, came and uh, went back to WWE, and that. So um, let's so um, go ahead. What you can talk about um, as far as uh, your involvement with Lucha Underground and. Um, what and what it was like uh, working in uh, in the temple in front of in front of the believers. Well, working at the ground was a phenomenal experience for four months because you're treated like a superstar. Oh. You're picking up from the airport. You're given a per diem. You're given a, you know a five star hotel. Oh. Um, you're giving you're giving you're giving catering from. from Breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks in between. You're giving you're giving alcohol if you drink alcohol after the show. You're giving your own. You're giving the wardrobe, you know, fitted just for you, just for that evening. And after your wardrobe and after your performance is done, you give it back to the wardrobe and they dry clean it for you before the next day. So I mean, you're like a top notch superstar. You know, but the problem is that's only for four months because you know it's not it's a season. It's not year around like a WWE, TNA, or Ring of Honor. Right. So for eight months you have to think for yourself, and that's what my mm-hmm. issue was when I left after season one. Was because okay, I, I'm having a great time. I'm I'm treated like a, I'm treated like a you know an A-list Hollywood celebrity. I mean, I'm getting picked up from the airport. Going straight to a, I mean, a nice, I mean, the nice, the nicest hotel downtown, L.A. We're getting showered to the shows. We're getting, we're getting breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks in between each meal. Plus, yeah, you know, with, you know, after show beverages, after show meals. 
um, Andrew getting per diem. You know, I, you know, I mean, I can't talk about how good it was to be there for those four months when, when, you're, when you're filming because you're treated just like a television show. This was what it was. Mm-hmm. It was a television series. It was right. you know, four series. Right. And, you, you know, your wife shows up, you know, all of a sudden they have a, you know, they have a car waiting for your wife. They have a, a schedule just for your wife. You can have a schedule just for your kids if your kids show up. I mean, I can have nothing better on those four months how they treat you. Now, now when the, when the, when the series is finally done filming after those four months is up, that's why I have an issue because wait a minute, I'm on television and I'm I'm treated like a star. And now you want me to go to some damn bingo hall? You want me to go to some Elks Lodge and wrestle for a hundred people? You want me to go to some fucking Free market and outside <laughs> and muscle there. So yes, there's it was and you could ask any of those people that you that you talked about, Shane, uh DJ DJ was a blessing in, my, in disguise for myself and my career. Uh, any of those guys, you're treating like a top notch star in Lucha Underground. But as soon as that series wraps, you are not nobody. <laughs> You are, you are, you are fitting for bookings for your you're back on the you're back you're basically an indie wrestler, not on you know they can't be on other television shows because that series wrapped up, and I had a huge issue yeah. with that because I mean I mean come on I mean, so you have me on TV we're getting this, you know you're getting a lot of publicity left and right, but you have no other work for us for eight months. I mean we you know. This thing, this thing about what I just told you, if your job, your, your basic job you have now, they would pick you up, they would serve you breakfast, lunch, and dinner with snacks, give you a per diem in case you didn't want those snacks. After your shift was over, they gave you all the snacks and food and liquor you wanted for four months. And then for eight months, um, find a job. How would you Ouch. Wow. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. like WWE, TNA, Ring of Honor, all those are years mm-hmm. of contract. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, let's not be, let's not, you know, let's not be, um, you know, uh, ignorant. So, Lucha Underground was owned by, by MGM. You can't find me a commercial. You can't find me another series to, to, to guest star on. You can't find me a movie to be in to be the tough guy in. You know, you can't find me some background work on the on a movie or a TV set to keep you know to keep us happy or no. Go back to the Indies and wrestle for and wrestle for hundred people. So when you big time TV stars for four months and then for eight months, you are a nobody. And then guess what? Between you know, uh, after season three. To season four, those guys did not get paid at all. Because remember, season three, you know, wrapped up in 2016. So all of right. 2017, not one Lucha Underground person made one dollar. Wow. From, from, Lucha mm. from Lucha Underground. And nobody wants to say that part. Nobody wants to mention those issues. You know, and that's one of the reasons why 
Lucha Underground blew up because it, it was a great format. It was a great TV show. They were, you know, the vignettes were like B, uh, like, like a, a, a B-level movie vignettes. Those were awesome. You know, storylines were great. Right. The DJ and, and his, because of, uh, you know, Chris Johnson and his uh, creative team, but they had no backbone after those, after that, after the series wrapped. They didn't know when they were going to film again. They didn't know mm-hmm. what to do with the guys on their downtime. <clears throat> so you have eight, so you have eight months. Now think about it: for season three to season four, those guys had a year. So they had, I'm saying, they had, yeah, they had about, yeah, they had maybe eleven months since the last time they got paid. Wow. Yeah, everyone season three to season four, they probably had eleven months where they didn't get out one dime. So wow. you're telling me you're telling me you can't run some house shows, you can't go take the show on the road a little bit, you can't you know, like I said, get the guys, hey, well this guy's a good actor. Well let's get this guy on the you know, on this T V series. So let's give this guy a guest role on this show. Well, let's give this guy, you know, a small a small part in this movie right here. No, no, and no. And for you to say, oh, that's impossible when you're co-owned by MGM, come on. Yeah, yeah. And one, and one, of, the, and one of the first, one of the producers was Robert Rodriguez. And at that time, Robert Rodriguez and, and uh, El Ray, he had turned from Dust to Dawn into a uh, actual yep. series. Yep. Oh, I, I mean, I, 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 did, I did a couple of uh, extra roles on, on on Dust Till Dawn. I did a couple extra roles. Actually, Wicked. I had about a three to five, maybe five second spot on the, the movie Alita. <laughs> if you blink, <laughs> if you blink, if you blink, you miss it. But I mean, that that was what, what my major issue was. Which underground? That's what got me a lot of trouble. Was uh, eight months, mm. uh, you know. I have to fend for myself. I can't do no television with no one else. I can't do um, I pay per views with no one else. You know, so if the indie does a, a, one of those I pay per views, you can't be on the indie show. Uh huh. So it was, you know, so a lot of those a lot of those guys were were starving. You know. Wow. They, you, know, mm. you, know, you know, the best the best thing ever happened to the, everyone. And they had the a lengthy contract where you had to be with him for seven, you know, most of those guys signed, you know, a contract where you're naive where you had to be there with seven series and there was only four. You know, that means, you know, thankfully that, you know, the legal, you know, my, my issue opened up everyone else's eyes from 2015. This could happen to you like it's happened to Kevin Cross right now with Impact. You know, uh-huh. if you you know, just because you you sign a contract doesn't mean you know if you don't completely read or have someone read it over for you, you have you need some great legal representation. What you know, so no matter what uh, realm of television you're on, whether it's whether it's movies, TV, um, reality TV, or even um, wrestling wrestling shows. You have to make sure that your agent or whatever negotiates your contract has great lawyer skills or has a lawyer on retainer because these contracts, good, bad, or ugly, is not beneficial for the wrestler. Wow. 
that's see now that's that's the first time that anybody who's ever worked in that company and um and one and one of my good friends from Chicago who I worked with was uh, Evelise and uh she was she was one of the people that uh her and Joey Ryan were two of the big ones that uh were most notable for their very public battle in trying to get out of their contracts and that but that's, yeah, this is a, this but, is a, but just but just think yeah. but just think of my, my situation I was the first person that that questioned this stuff you know after uh-huh. that first season I want to know what you know I got I got a family I got kids I need to know mm-hmm. what you know what the rest of my year gonna be like when are we filming again? What are my other options? And it was right. always met. With, it was always met with something, and then you know, TNA came up and said, "Hey, we'll give you a six month contract. You can go back. You, can, you know, you can start back up in um, in Ringo. I'm sorry, and El, with El Ray and Lucha Underground in January when they, you know, if if and when they start back up filming again, and that's what I did. And okay. I lost that. I lost that contract. I lost the underground contract and uh, yes. huge amount of lawyer fees. Mm. Oh, Damn. yeah, yeah. That's that's the thing. The lawyer fees. Lawyers that's, where, that's where you really get stuck. Oh my gosh. All lawyers go wow. But yeah, I. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I appreciate the fact that you, you know, um, been this honest and, and opened up this much about that about that situation because that was yeah. one, as you and I talked about when, uh, you know, when, when we first got this set up, Sean, that uh, I wanted to make sure that we, you know, didn't cross any cross any legal lines in that, and I just I was I was I was real hesitant, and that's you know. Why I said you tell me what we can, what we can and can't do, and that, and so, you know, um, I, I appreciate the fact that you, you know, been able and willing to put out all of this about it because that I'm, that's an, that's an even bigger insight than uh, what I what I've gotten from all of the guys that uh, we've known from over there. So I. Sorry, thank you, Seth. Just wow. I'm. I I really wow. I really can't say anything on top of that. Oh, uh, that's funny. Well, well, one it helps that yo I'm at the, I'm at the yo know, the latter part of my career, so I really don't care. And two, as long as <laughs> and, and, you know, two, so as long as I don't get you know specifics. Of different things of the you know of the actual uh, lawsuit problem, I'm good. So I mean, that's basically okay. you know you know people always can wonder well, why those guys want to get the LU contract. Well, that's well simple because if you know if, unless you're filming a, you know, a season, you're not getting paid. So right. of course you know you know and let's let's be and let's and I'll give you one even better. The last season of, the, of Lucha Underground was what five weeks, maybe six weeks long for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, instead of the usual four months, it was, it was it was like five or six weeks. 
So 2018, you know, every single person got paid for those five or six weeks, and that's it. Oh. And that was and that was still in March. Mm. So of course these guys, so of course these guys and girls want to get out of the contract. I mean, so you get so you you can be a, you can be a rock star, TV star, movie star for five or six weeks, and all of a sudden you're, you know, back to life, back to reality, wrestling in front of hundred people in a bingo hall, hoping you can sell ten shirts so you can make so you can make rent. Huh? Yipes. Well, yeah, wow. because now when now when Wait, you, yeah, now when yeah, you yeah hold on, like Virgil at a flea market. Out. Yep. <laughs> oh, you had to go there, didn't you, Katie? Oh, you but know I had to go I, there. I, I can go there even and, further, I but I'm not going to. About, yeah, I think about the fact that uh, the guy that played uh, Bale um, was, didn't even get his release until, like, the middle of season three, and he got, and he got killed off halfway through season one. He was the first guy that actually got, actually got, uh, Got um, killed by Jeff Cobb, aka Matanza. Yep. Mm, Jeff he, Cobb. And he was stuck. And he was wait, stuck with that wait, wait, contract. Wait, will you let me drool? No, you need to let me drool over Jeff Cobb for a minute. Mm, okay. Jeff Cobb, yummy, 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 yummy. Smells really good when he when he hugs you, Jeff Cobb. <laughs> I'm done. Well, I mean, that, that's you know those you know. If you were foolish enough to sign the contract the way it was presented to you from the underground, then yes, every single person, every, and I do mean every single person that did not have a lawyer look at the contract first was affected immensely financially. Wow. Wow. You know, and most be realistic. Most guys are not used to get. You know, most of those guys will get the first hit to be on television, so they're not going to have a, a a good lawyer or a good agent look at it. So the only ones that really got um, a chance, to, uh, you know, got things their way in their contracts were guys that were in WWE because they were used to those kind of contracts like that. Uh huh. Boy, boy, oh boy. Mm. All right. That That means I can ask you this question. How was it working with the wild and crazy Marty Moss? Marty's awesome. Marty's one of my good friends. He's a cool dude. I love him. He's a little quirky, obviously. You know, I've I've worked with him. Yes, he is. No, I've had the opportunity to work with him Lucha Underground as well as AAA, and he's awesome. You know, know, any promotion that gets him is going to get someone that can make some money for him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Katie, yeah, Katie loves him, but... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah that's Katie, my body. But, I'm, his, yeah, I'm, Katie, his, I'm his red-headed Canadian wife, okay? I love yeah. that man. The night he was on, it yeah. was his birthday, and he had he had a stripper pole where he was, and he was drinking Jaeger so we, and, and smoking a little hempy doobie there. So we got to hear him get progressively stoned and drunk on air, and then he decides he's going to go play on his pole, and he says, you want to slide down my pole, don't you, Katie? I know you want to slide down my pole. You're going to slide down my pole? Katie, come here, Katie. Just slide down my pole. My girlfriend says it's okay. Come on over. You know, this is like, holy shit. <laughs> and then and then he sends, he sends a picture to Steve of him in his, his, uh, in his, in his, his T-shirt and just a little pair of tights swinging on his pole. 
with a ball of Jaeger in his in his hand. Okay, always was fake. Thanks, Marty. I love you, Marty. You're the best, Marty. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, he's yeah. freaking great. Yeah, love him all the time. Oh yeah, yeah. Once I oh, know yeah. once I know once he gets finally gets uh, healed up from uh, that uh, next situation, he's yeah, like you like you say, Sean. He's somebody that's gonna definitely yeah. make somebody a bunch of money. He better make somebody that. a bunch of money. Somebody better let him make them make them a bunch of money. Because he's, I don't know what it is with, that he's got, but he's got a whole boatload of it. <laughs> I'm sorry. He's, he's just, he, he says he's quirky. Uh, no, 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 man. Fit fat. He's a freak. Okay? He's a freak. <laughs> he's oh, a freak. gosh. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's, let's, ask, let's ask this. Is there, is there anybody out there right now? That you really think, yeah, other else that really has that it factor that if the that if the right person takes them takes them under under their wing, they're going to blow Fly. up huge. From Lucha Underground or right now? Anywhere. Right now, anywhere. Um, right now, um. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to put no one on the spot, but uh, I guess, I, you know, that kid, I wrestled some kids from North, in North Dakota. He was, he was really good. And, Which and, one? Um, <laughs> Which kid? No, There's plenty. No, 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 the white dude. Okay, which white dude? There's all kinds of them. That's like that's what? like one of her friends who came on uh, and we were talking yeah, about Michael Elgin. Yeah, that's, he goes, he goes okay. do you know Mike? Mike from Canada? Yeah, sure. I know Mike, Mike from Canada. I actually know a Mike Elgin that's not the one that wrestled. I think it, okay? I think it, uh, dude, he, okay, he's a really cool guy, but I mean, you know how you white guys have all the same names? You know, Colton, mm-hmm. Caleb, uh, Austin, or something. I don't know what his name is, but he, you know, he was uh, oh, he had he a soap opera name. Tall, he, he, was, he was a tall dude, turned jack. He's a tall white dude. You know him. That tall white dude from Dakota. Bruno Dakota. No, no, he's not from Dakota. Well, I mean, he may be from Dakota, but he, I mean, he lives in Missouri now. But he was really good. I mean, I worked him. He, only, he maybe only had like five or six years wrestling experience, and he was really good. I mean, he listened, and he got over really well with the crowd, and he did awesome. I mean, I can't see nothing good, nothing bad about it. He was awesome. I mean, I don't, I don't even know his wrestling name. But I mean, he was like, his real name was like Colton or Caleb or, you know, one of those white names like that. I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> one of those white soap opera names. You know the one. No, no, no. It's like, you, know, you know how the millennial people named their kid like Austin or, you know, or. Yeah. Kurt or whatever, yeah. you know. Or Brooke. You know, yeah. well, or, 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 or we can go all go on going up to with Apple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, my wife said the perfect white name, Hunter. You know. Oh, oh God, Hunter. Oh God. Yeah. That's that's whiter than I am. Okay, that's way whiter than I am. <laughs> that's like oh Buffy. I'm Buffy. Am I? Oh my God. That is hilarious. Oh, that is no, hilarious. He was good. He was awesome. I mean, he's, you know, he's kind of young. I think he's at least thirty or less. 
Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> oh, and so I'm the stoner. If, if okay. you're if you're if you're listening, <laughs> you know who you are. John yeah. said you're that if good. I, so yeah. You're that talented white guy. With the soap opera name. North Dakota, if I was in North Dakota about about ten days ago, you're good. <laughs> Oh gosh! Oh, now you do. We got we got the Katie squeak. She's gonna have to she have to break out her asthma inhaler here in a minute, John. <laughs> oh my gosh! Maintain breathe. You did it. You did it. You, you, you no, this Katie. is almost as good as the Michael Elgin thing. Okay. Oh my God! You broke, you broke, Katie, Sean. Bravo! <laughs> I applaud you. Uh, that was that was excellent. That was excellent. So, oh, oh man, oh. I need, I need well, some water and a smoke. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what we're we're at we're at the we're at the uh, end of our our regular time. Um, yeah, so John, I've got your I've, I've got your number planted in my phone now, so I'm definitely gonna yeah. I'm definitely gonna call you. We def you know number one I'm just gonna call you just to shoot the BS because I I like you a lot and I've had a lot of fun here tonight. And then definitely I want to get you back on here again um, okay, well, sometime quick, next year. Hey, yes, please. I, I appreciate I, I appreciate you liking me, but I'm taking. Oh, honey. Oh, honey, honey, honey. I won't tell if you won't tell. That's okay. Honey, you should hear you should hear me and B. Brian Blair on the air, okay? We have people convinced that we're having an affair behind his wife's back, okay? And then we have to tell him that we're just best friends. If you guys want, you know, if you want to come to Texas and we can talk about it, it's okay, but I mean, but, I, <laughs> but right now, I'm, I'm sorry I'm taking it, but yes, I appreciate that. Also. That's all good. I appreciate you. Oh, God, that's, that's awesome. That is awesome. And, 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 um, and you know, you know what, you know what, he's, he's pretty, he's pretty damn cute with that bald head and that full beard, don't you know? <laughs> yeah. She likes, she likes, she likes this. Likes this bald guy, Sean. So hey, yeah, my, you're, my you're, you're in bald. good, you're in good step yeah. with her. Yeah, but you, you got too much beard for me, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, guys, you've been, man, it's been awesome to be on, be on here with you, man. But I got yeah, to get my family dinner right now. But uh, it's all good, oh, man. I'll put you, I'll put you, you on my wish list. <laughs> cool. You, no, you no, those are people I want back. I put people on a wish list of who I want back. And it's almost time to have B. Brian Blair back, by the way, for the fourth time. Yeah, yeah, I got to yeah, get, yeah. get with him. So, yeah, so I, I John, I will call. I will keep in touch on the phone and everything, and, uh, we'll yep. get, and we'll definitely get you back on. So thank you very much for this evening. We really appreciate it. Uh, you have yourself a great night down there, and we will talk to you soon, all right? Awesome, bro. Thank you for having me, man. Thanks for coming you out, You got man. it, bro. Thanks a lot. Thanks for coming out. Uh, Much love. Yeah. Wow. All right. What a what a great night. Yeah. What a great night. Yeah, this, he, he, this yeah it was a great a, night. He broke me. He broke me and everything. No, one, no one's broke me that yeah. bad in a long time, man. 
Yep. Two. Yep. I'm busted. <laughs> I, I know. I know. I thought I thought I thought we were gonna spend five minutes listening to you just you know, squeak and, and choke and and oh, snort and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and then he did it again when he left. Yeah. Yeah. Oh oh and, and my oh, and my God. wife and my wife goes, I missed her snorting. <laughs> oh, well you didn't God. have the tablet in the bedroom with you, so what can I say? <laughs> yes, oh, I brought, Sheila, yes, you... I broadcast from my house. Speaking of which, cheap plug oh, did you move? tomorrow night at this very time will be yeah. live from the Dean's Den. Um Okay. Okay, if you're if you're if you wanna if you wanna come on, um, you know, please feel free because then at least that way I'd be willing to do an hour instead of thirty minutes because Friday, talking I'm by not myself. free. I'm not I know, free Friday. Uh no, I am going to the Aurora Festival at Ontario Place for my birthday with my uh with my boss, her husband and their kid and yeah, we're we're bringing Darren with us too. Yeah, we're gonna let him okay. out of the house. The Aurora <laughs> Festival which that's funny. Yes. I'm in Aurora, and you're going to an Aurora Festival no, in no, Ontario. No, it's, uh, no, no, it's as in Aurora Borealis. Oh, I know. I know what you're saying. I just, okay. I just had to make it's a winter word. festival. <laughs> and then on Monday, the Lakeshore, where I live on, is having their own winter festival that I'm going to go spend more money on. So, yeah. Oh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yeah, her be- her better her better yeah. half. Uh, okay. Yeah. Works and makes a I ton of money, and then she spends it all. <laughs> that's not it's not true, but no, <laughs> part of it is. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, no, I didn't spend I didn't spend forty dollars on uh, facial cream today. No, no, I didn't. No, no, I didn't. <laughs> we, we, we did we we didn't talk the about that. Face cream, <laughs> lipstick, nail polish. <laughs> hey yeah, man, no, I, I have. I have it's my birthday, and I also have, I also have, well, I got Adam's, Adam's thing to do on, um, on the 14th. I have a funeral on the 14th, too, right? Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, do you know why I asked yeah. for bodies, hit, that the bodies hit the floor be played? Do you want to know exactly yeah. why? Okay. Yeah, you, you Adam, that to us. Adam is a karaoke junkie. Okay. And mm-hmm. that yep. was one of his that was one of his big songs. So and he he was a regular listener. And I I can't remember what show it was, but I'm pretty sure he called in for Animal and, and Godfather Night. And mm-hmm. um, he's a friend of Rob's too. Best friends with like like yeah. yeah they're like meat and potatoes those two. And Bodies was one of the big songs. One of his big karaoke songs that he would do. And he did a lot of weird old Yankovic as well. Um, but yeah, so now guess he's, I'm gonna have to learn bodies and do it for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I miss you, right. man. Well, I really like do. Yeah, yeah I, okay. I can, I, he's, I can tell. Yeah. Well, like he, he met well, a lot like of great. So. Yeah. 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 Well, all right. Yeah. So, like I say, tomorrow night, uh, ten nine central, uh, right back here. If uh, Sean joins me, I'll do an hour. It, otherwise, it'll be our usual thirty minutes. Um, a little post SmackDown talk. Uh, we'll talk. We'll talk some uh, um, WWE contracts. We'll talk about the mm-hmm. fact that uh, that uh, AEW uh, 
pokes a little fun at uh, WWE's uh, little uh, blow up on uh, on the uh, NXT uh, Takeover War Games, and that. Um, so we'll just we'll just have ourselves a good time. So uh, um, unfortunately, uh, Sean uh, dropped, so he's not here. Yeah. So. Yeah. On behalf of uh, of Sadistic Sean David, I am the Dean of Wrestling Referees, Steve Kane, along with my co-host. Uh, the reason why the show will never be a bag of dicks, and thanks for coming out, folks. But you know what time it is. I'm Chaotic Katie, and you don't have to go home, but sure as hell can't stay here. Turn off the lights, turn your glasses to the bar, and get the fuck out. Good night. Closing time, open all the doors and let you out into the world. Closing time, turn all of the lights on over every boy and every girl. Closing time, one last call for alcohol to finish your whiskey or beer. Closing time You don't have to go home But you can't stay here 
beginning comes from some other beginning and 